This is Brooke Meyer, Andy Ingram, Matt Donovan, Zachary Knowles, the cast and director of Aeroplane Jelly, and this is Walk Left, the podcast. And I'm Marty Chidorek. Thanks for joining us. So, <laughs> the first production for Triworks? The very first. Tell us a little bit about the company before we get into Airplane Jelly specifically. Triworks is very, very new, very new, and um, it was—it's basically a continuation of a, of a company that I worked with uh, for many years in Australia and Melbourne called White Whale Theatre, and uh, the the goal of, of White Whale Theatre was to give local playwrights and, uh, and actors a voice and to commu- commission and produce original, original theatre. And uh, in creating Triworks here in Canada, I'm, uh, I'm hoping to continue, to continue that work and uh, more specifically create kind of, you know, random, bizarre worlds that people may have never thought of before or encountered before in the theatre and I hope that Aeroplane Jelly does that, and I think it will. <laughs> this is fun having the whole cast around a table as well. <laughs> What's the story behind the, the name of the company? Triworks is um, a chapter of Moby Dick, one of my favourite chapters of, of Moby Dick. So my, my life changed so dramatically when I met um, David Manson, Kelly Farrow, the um, creators of White Whale Theatre, uh, we, we went to Edinburgh with a show called Macbeth Re-Arisen, which is a schlock horror sequel to Shakespeare's Macbeth. Uh, <laughs> takes off from where Shakespeare left off, written in Iambic Pentameter. Great show, which completely changed my world. And uh, when we got back from Edinburgh from a fantastic season, um, and received such a really good response. Um, they said, we're going to incorporate, we're going to make White Whale a, a real company. Do you want to come on board? Yes. And so at our first board meeting, I, I was made to read uh, one of the oaths where the, all the, the crewmen swear to the death to hunt Moby Dick. Their death. I was made to, to swear that I would, <laughs> I would always yeah, hunt Moby Dick to, to his death. And then when, um, when the company um, split, it was very sad for me and... In just, you know, coming up with a new name, I really wanted to give a nod to that to that past because it was so important to me in my journey as a theatre maker and as a as a creator. And um, yeah, the Triworks uh, because I was forced to read Moby Dick <laughs> was my favourite was my favourite chapter. And basically, in the in in this chapter, the they they get all the the whale meat and they throw it into the tripods, and the whale basically burns away at itself. Uh, into the into the oil and on the Pequod, it's it's described as this ship on fire, just tearing through through the sea at midnight, and the the flames of the Triworks cast all these ridiculous, cruel shadows of the the harpooners who you know have their pronged forks and these flaming smiles and and all of this kind of kind of thing, and, and it just really kind of was a nice kind of simile for illuminating um, the stage and, and um, you know, setting fire to things and see what shadows would be would be cast on the walls or would be uh, would be illuminated. 
I love the theater company name just because, I mean, it's funny, it's not exactly like that, but it's just try what works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's another, yeah, that was another kind of meaning when yeah, I was young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just try big. You know, yeah. it's like, that's kind of the base philosophy that I, I seem, we, I, I seem to be functioning in the rehearsal room and say, just try it, try what works. See what, happens. See what happens. <laughs> maybe it will, maybe it won't, maybe it will explode into fiery hellish demons on the wall. <laughs> Maybe it won't. <laughs> but, but yeah, what audience doesn't want fiery hellish demons on the wall? I know, but that's the good part. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> what audience doesn't want that? Exactly. <laughs> We're not being facetious. <laughs> Spectacle. You're, you're so right, because like, if you think about it, like, how many you know, romantic dramas are there? How many you know, friendship dramas or like witty comedies are there, you really don't see a lot of schlock horror theatre. You don't really see a lot of horror theatre. Hmm. I think there's a void that needs to be filled. <laughs> and Triwork's Theatre Company is jumping in. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. It's a good place to start. Because yeah. <laughs> when you think about when you go to the movies, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you do want to go and see something, you know, perhaps like Black Swan that's really, you know, artistic and, you know, it's a really well-made film. And then other times you want to go and see, you know, Batman and just be entertained and just sit back and just get lost in the world. And I, I think theatre girls want that too. So let's just jump right into it. Tell us a bit about Airplane Jelly. Well, uh, Aeroplane Jelly is uh, it's by an Australian playwright. His name is David Mentz. He was also the artistic director of White World Theatre. And it's basically about these, these three childlike men, uh, otherwise known as vault heads, who live inside a vault. Uh, they live there with their, their father, super mutant Lance, uh, who in some ways protects them, in some ways uh, keeps them hostage. And, uh, yeah, the vault is all they've ever known. They've never ventured beyond the vault door before. And uh, at some point in the play, a stranger bursts through the vault door. And uh, everything goes awry. The, I mean, the Aeroplane Jelly song is is well known by any Australian. Um, Aeroplane Jelly is the number one brand of of jelly in Australia. And uh, in the play, it kind of serves as a distraction for, um, for something that will happen, which we won't say because we don't want to give anything away. No, no, please don't. don't. (laughs) Has the the play been previously produced? It has not. It uh, it received a reading. So the the play was... um, The writer, Dave Mentz, had given me a couple of the first pages quite a while ago, I remember, and I just fell in love instantly with just the the filthiness of it. It's completely deranged and, and sick, and I really, really loved it. And then nothing really happened with it until a, another company called MKA, um, which is a, a great company in Melbourne, uh, you know, uh, producing and, and commissioning original work, um, contacted him about filling a, filling a space for, for a play reading. And in about three weeks, um, those few pages ended up being a, a short three-act play. Um, you know, it's a really absurd, absurd play. And to be really honest, I'm not sure if it's really addressing anything. <laughs> like, I'm going to be really honest. I don't really know if it's actually, you know, it's not. it doesn't have any political agenda. It's not really making a statement about anything. It's really just this insane world that, that we're inviting people to, to see. 
Um, you know, one thing that we have talked about though is um, is justice, is um, actions that you know are, are just or unjust. Um, that's as far as we've kind of really gotten. I want to add, add to that. Yeah, I'd also say the play, in or at least for uh, my experience thus far, the play is really about knowing and what mm. you know and what you don't know, yeah. and what the audience knows and what they don't know. Mm. So yes, we have this vault being presented in front of you, but what else are we not showing you? You know. So and then what do the characters know who have never been outside? How can they understand the outside world? And then this stranger who barges in. If they've never been outside, how can they believe anything he's telling them about the outside world? So it's, it's a lot of mystery as to what's going on. Why is it like that way? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talk in the piece as well about truth. Truth and lies. What's true and what's untrue and are you lying or mm-hmm. are you telling the truth? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I think that is right in the here and now is... Uh, it's, I, I think the play takes place like after some sort of apocalypse and so you know there's like a hurricane coming into Toronto today so <laughs> this is like right in the here and now like this play could be tomorrow <laughs> so uh, you, you know you never know when, when you're going to end up in a vault knowing nothing you know you never know when you're going to get <laughs> <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. Come see our play. Be like these guys are crazy. They were in a vault for their entire life. But you know, if you if you're in Hurricane Frankenstein or whatever they're calling it right now, um, you get stuck in your house for weeks on end, and you lose internet capabilities and all kinds of things. What what's going to happen? And then suddenly a stranger bursts in your door. Like it's. It's very timely, like, the end of the world is all over the place. And uh, it's it's just really wonderful to go into this world and explore, especially when we don't quite know what is going on in this play. Like, what is the end of the world about? All right. Yeah. The end of the world. (laughs) Or at least, I don't know. That's what I'm assuming. I'm not not sure. They're in a vault. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I auditioned for a couple of different characters and I got a chance to read for The Stranger and The Stranger has a couple of lines that are they're not hard to say but it's like if you remember any of the interviews with Harrison Ford talking about preparing for Star Wars he was talking about like memorizing these lines of these fantastical things that do not exist and they're strange and like as you said deranged so like I even see elements of, like, B-movie horror, yeah. you know? Like, mm-hmm. uh, The Hills Have Eyes, mm-hmm. and we've been talking about, like, Fav, uh, Fallout. Fallout. It's a big... Like, there's a lot of themes in those uh, in those films and video games that I think are present on stage with us. When I first uh, met Brooke after the audition process, I sent her a pretty detailed email asking a lot of questions because, uh, I mean... And guys, I'm sure you'd agree, you have to pick and choose what work you want to work on in the city. And, you know, even though we all would like to be in every show, you still have to kind of pick the ones you really want to be a part of. And I asked her, why this play? Why now? And something that Brooke Brooke told me that has stuck with me is that something that TriWorks is doing is like they're lighting fires on stage and they're letting it burn for the audience to watch. And I really am attracted to that. I'm working 
in a variety of different genres and in my own career, like doing theater cruelty and things like that, where there's a very visceral response from the audience, uh, reading this script, I think we're going to get that. And I like that idea, that image of lighting a fire and just letting the audience watch it, you know, chaos and that deranged quality all kind of falling down. I, I think, I think that's where we're going. And that, again, like the play itself, we're, I'm not even sure, sure if it's quite a well-made play, you know? But I. But the That's, thing that, is, that was the sales pitch. You know, <laughs> you know what, though? That is a sales pitch for today because I'm effing tired of well made plays. I want plays that are more interesting. And this is interesting. Mm-hmm. Really, it's got guttural, visceral reaction to it without being. Formulaic and. Formulaic with mm-hmm. typical plot arches and things. Uh, but I still get something out of it. And, and the actors that are set into a room and, you know, we run around like crazy people in the rehearsal room. Uh, we get to explore and figure it out and try. Um, and I think that's, that's something that I, I personally just love to try and bring to theater so that other people can hopefully bring that away as well. Mm-hmm. If you attempt to approach this play purely intellectually, you will go insane. There are many things that deliberately don't make sense. There are many things that will are designed to confuse you. And when you just try and just go for it, some beautiful stuff comes out instead. Tell me a bit about the space that you're going to be presenting this in. Yeah, the, uh, the Industrial Arts Room is a, a relatively new new space, that they, um, which is run by Kirk Ostensen and uh, Kathy Ostensen. And uh, so far it's been used for... Uh, gallery openings for um, CD launches, for book launches. They do drumming circles there. They do yoga there. When I began my search for a, for a venue, I, I knew that the play didn't want to be performed in a traditional theatre. That was something that was really clear. It had to be a really unique, open, flexible space. And uh, as soon as I saw the photos of the industrial arts room, it was, it was perfect. It's set uh, low in a basement. There's this amazing exposed brick wall with the black coil heating all along it. Um, these old rusty kind of windows that look out onto another brick wall. Um, and as soon as I, I stepped into the space and as soon as my uh, set and lighting designer ste- ste- stepped into the space, we were both inspired creatively and you know what, what the possibilities were. Yeah, so if there are, there are any theatre makers out there looking for a space, I would yes, highly advise giving, giving Kirk and Kathy a call. <laughs> it was actually good when, uh, when Kirk was walking me through the space, he said, oh, one of, uh, one of the issues you might have is that because it's going to be winter, um, the heating will be on and they'll, they'll creak and kick and bang and clang. I'm like, oh, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> the sound design is built into the yes. space. That's great. So you mentioned that this is the first production of the play. Yeah. Has there been a further sort of script development process going on now that it's been in the hands of a cast? Yeah, I mean, um, for, for me, um, there are definitely a lot of things that I need to uh, think about and to discuss with um, the playwright. There is a super mutant written into the into the play, and he's very—he's a very important character. 
Um, in the script, uh, he's described as having fingernails the size of a human head, and uh, obviously that's impossible to stage. So, well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's a couple of other things. So yeah, there there is a, a huge challenge in um, keeping keeping him apart and you know keeping him alive in the space, um, but then also making it you know possible to you know, to do these things. So um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, yeah, we have to get a really creative with yeah, with a lot of it. That's good. We'll get there. We're not quite there yet. Uh, Brooks' process is what's really kept me um, extremely interested in the whole dynamic of bringing this to life. And I'm sure the guys will want to talk to that. What we're doing, and I'm sure I'll butcher it, but we're we're abstracting. So as the way I the way I take it is that what Brooke has done is she is teared down the facade of having to create a performance so we don't have to play to an audience we don't have to play to her we don't even have to know our lines she reads them for us right now in the rehearsal space we're like literally just playing with things with people with bodies and we can say the lines as many times as we want because we're really just discovering everything about it so we don't have to be constrained by having to project our voice because maybe the root of what this line is, is a whisper. And after we've done this process, then we can go back and we can start building the walls of the show and remembering that, you know what, this line, the intention was a whisper and it was something quiet to myself. Now, how can I make the audience join me on that? So it's been a very freeing process as an actor. I've, you know, I've worked with a, like lots of different companies in the city. This one is definitely the um, only time I've ever done anything quite as free as this. I have complete control, and uh, it's really kept me interested. And I think the audience will appreciate all the colors that we've added to this performance. Well said. Very well said, Alfred. You can add. <laughs> this is like this is one of these processes that I'm just like, yeah, I love being a part of this type of process. So the, the, uh, this this is why I loved it, and and number one, I mean, also the character is just so right for me. <laughs> the guy's like, sign me up. <laughs> so he was typecast. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I stepped in the room. I was like, I stepped in the room. I'm like, I know what Brooke is. And Brooke's like, mm-hmm, you're in my cast. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually really funny that Matt says that because I joked with with Robert Leeson, who is the set and lighting designer. I said, you know, Robert, I could have. Past airplane jelly just by looking at their headshots and not held any auditions and got them into the rehearsal rooms on the first day and it all would have been fine. So what does that say about them and the photographers? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, oh, it's, not, it's not to say that, you know... Actually quite flattered by them. <laughs> <laughs> because means have a very good photo. <laughs> So the word the word free has been used a couple of times. Would you say that this script has brought out a certain style from you as the director, or would you say that this is sort of how you've always operated? No. Well, um, the way that I've, that, that I've approached it is is what I was taught um, in my years training at the Victorian College of the Arts under the um, the head of drama, Lindy Davies, um, who had she has such a unique approach to theatre, which, as I discovered through my training, is very freeing. And it had 
it really stuck to me once once I'd left and whenever I had a new monologue or had anything to learn as an actor, I would always go back to her method and the tools that I was given while I was there. And uh, so when I decided that I was going to do Aeroplane Jelly and I'd always, uh, you know, worked in collaboration with others, but this is my first time working solo as a director, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to... I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to give it a go and and just see if I can introduce this process and you know see if it works for me as a director and see if you know how the the cast respond to it. And uh, it's just amazing to watch. And as they're discovering things, I'm discovering things. And you know, I purposefully didn't make any choices prior to going into the room because I mean, why would you limit yourself? By making a choice before you, before the cast have, have even, you know, explored the text, and so you know, the more we work on it, wow, the more, the more ideas, the more, the more it comes to life, and the more possibilities there are, and that's really exciting. You know, what's another great thing about this play is that it's not incessantly filled with monologues and telling. Audiences, what to do and what to think. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an article that was just put out by uh, Holger Syme, who's a professor at U of T, mm-hmm. and his big complaint about Fringe this year and Summer Works was that the majority of the plays were people on stage, small casts, who just go out and talk to audiences, but they're not actually doing anything. They're telling stories, but they're not actually living. They're not actually enacting stories. And like when we get back to it, theater should be acting, right? Reenacting. It's 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 something. It's bodies in a space doing something. And I think doing is the key there. And like this play is great because there's there's no like spotlight center stage. And now I'm going to tell you a story that's really sad. It's going to make you feel sad and really happy you came to theater. Like there's none of that. It's just bodies mashed together, kind of like gears and just gross rust and all that great gritty blood and gore and guts and pus and it's all this great stuff that's happening on stage in the moment and and that's another thing that I think new theater in Toronto needs more of thank you so much all for uh, for, for being part of this and uh, we should say the dates airplane yeah airplane jelly runs from November 14th until November 18th Uh, 8pm we also have matinees on the 17th and 18th at 2pm and if people want to find out more about TriWorks Theatre Company. You can go to triworksTheatre.com. No www. That was so five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you have an upcoming Toronto based performing arts project or production, I want to talk to you about it. Visit walkleft.ca.